We were kind of dealing with chapter uh, 10 last week. We got through most of it, but it was basically dealing with the three sons of Noah. And uh, those three sons repopulated the earth uh, with their wives. And uh, that's what basically uh, chapter 10 is about. And then when we get into chapter 11, we start seeing how uh, there was a cataclysm, uh, how things were going to be spread out all over the, uh, the world. And they were really all together in one place, basically, as they multiplied these generations. And so they start to reproduce more and more kids, more and more families. And so the families developed. And then chapter 11 then goes back and picks that up and kind of shows you how that happens. And um, so we, we get uh, a history of the nations. We get the history of how languages happen. Now, you know, the world has the idea of what languages did. They evolved. <laughs> like everything else, they say it evolved. But we see the truth in Scripture of how it really happened. And, of course, some of it is uh, just... It's just flat-out miracle uh, what God does in that. So, but these first nine verses that we have in chapter 11 are very crucial because they really show us one event that really launched the idea of the scattering of the people, which is what God wanted them to do anyway. And so we get to uh, look at this in uh, quite a detail for nine verses. God gives us plenty that uh, we can really chew on. I think it's... Uh, straightforward explanation of how the, the nations develop and the languages happen. Um, there is a tragedy in, in all this. Humanity is, is separated and they're scattered, but it's not because they were obedient in doing it, but it was because they were in rebellion. And so we see sin uh, in its ugly uh, way. And I think it's fascinating that uh, God still uses that to um, get His will done. And uh, it it is a blessing overall. Uh, This is a judgment. And you remember there was a judgment not too long ago in the flood, right? And so that was a worldwide destruction. Now you have a judgment that is dealing with dispersion. And uh, he probably could have had every reason to drown everybody again. But uh, he's already promised that he won't do that. And uh, so, isn't that good to know? Noah's living at this time. And that's interesting to see. Noah and then his sons, all of his family. And they see the same thing going on that was happening before the flood. And they remember the sin that uh, was going on with uh, mankind. And so, here we go again. Uh, Noah has to be wondering, well, I guess there's not going to be a a flood anymore, but what is God going to do now? Uh, Hard to imagine that he had still been around at this time, but uh, very easily was. Um, We have the sons of Japheth. Uh, He will be scattered. Uh, We looked at that last week. We just talked about a a lot of, of, uh, I guess you could say, historical sources and looking at different people with some ideas of probably what happened with each uh, of the sons and their descendants. The Indo-European nations uh, are to be the ones that came from Japheth, uh, Europe, all across Russia, uh, even possibly across the Bering Strait on into North America. That's what some say. We looked at uh, Henry Morris and James Montgomery Boyce and some others. It's kind of interesting. 
may not always run out that way, but that, that's pretty uh, a good general uh, treatment to it. Ham, um, we know the curse was put on Canaan, not Ham himself. Um, but anyway, those people wind up going to, to Africa, to Asia, to, even to the Far East. And of course, then you have Shem. And uh, Shem settled down in the area of where, where we are familiar with, uh, you can think of what would later be called Persia, or today Iran, Iraq, uh, around um, the, the Palestinian areas, those kind of um, countries uh, came from there. Abraham uh, eventually will be coming from that. So these are the, the Semites. Uh, and from chapter 11, starting at verse 10 on, that's what everything will be concentrating on. So we're right at the last of um, these other groups of people, and God, for the most part, is going to be concentrating on um, the people of Shem. And then we get to see how, how this happens in this. Um, families are developing. Societies are developing. Uh, nations are being developed out of this. And then God has a divine catalyst for, uh, to propel uh, this into uh, the development that it's heading into. So the origin of nations and the origin of languages. Why don't we uh, have a prayer? Father, we thank You for who You are. You are uh, the great God that we adore. We desire to worship You, and we worship You in spirit and truth. And the best way that we can learn to do that is through Your Word. And as You speak to us through Your Spirit, as we read Your Word, uh, we understand a little bit more of who You are and what You have done and how we have gotten here. That's so important as the, the world offers many other different answers. But we know that the truth is here. And we are convinced of that and we give You praise. And as we desire to know more of who You are and what You have in mind for us, we thank You in Your Son's name. Amen. Alright, let's hit into 11. And uh, let's, uh, let's take these first nine verses. Let's uh, read those. Now the whole earth used the same language and the same words came about as they journeyed east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. They said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used brick for stone and they used tar for mortar. They said, Come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven. Let us make for ourselves a name Otherwise, we will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. The Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have the same language. And this is what they began to do. And now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth, and they stopped building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the whole earth. Quite a story. Quite the truth. And uh, now we know where the languages came from. Now we know how nations got started. 
Um, I think we kind of knew that before. Um, in verse 1, it looks like there's repetition. Um, they use the same language, the same words. All the people are basically together, basically in one area. They're all from one, you know, really from one family, Noah's family. Of course, you had the three sons, but they're all related, aren't they? Uh, some distantly. Um, but, but they all spoke exactly the same way. And can you imagine that? There had never been any other language. The same way. No barriers at all to communication. And I like this idea here, not only language, like we speak English, but if you go to England and you hear somebody speak English, or you go to Wales and hear somebody, or South Africa, there are some words that are either treated differently, or matter of fact, you can go down south in New Orleans. <laughs> and they might be speaking English, but you don't understand everything they're saying, right? Um, here, that's kind of the idea of words. It's the same words kind of means vocabulary. They have the same language, they have the same vocabulary. Whatever you say, they're going to understand. So you don't have to even worry about uh, having a Missouri accent and uh, people having trouble when you go to New York City or what have you. Uh, yeah, right, the, the soda pop, yeah. Michiganites. Uh, so, anyway, if you go back far enough language-wise, as far back as you know, people can go, you're not going to go back to some kind of um, language which evolved into a whole bunch of other languages. And Anything else that's not biblical is going to say that. Uh, that's what the, the world teaches. That's, that's the, how it got here. But God did it instantly. He created languages just like that. Just like how he creates, <laughs> he made that happen, and people were able to understand the language that you had in full capacity. But if they didn't have the same language now, whenever he changed that, they they could no longer do that. But uh, they were mature languages. It wasn't something that they had to develop. They weren't just grunting at each other and develop that over the course of uh, millions of years. <laughs> the the language was fully developed. So, anyway. That's, this is God working at this. By the way, you might ask, I wonder how many years this is after the flood. And if you take chapter 11, we're not going to get into this text tonight, but you have the descendants of Shem. And remember, Shem, Ham, Japheth, three sons of who? Noah. They're the ones responsible for getting this thing going again, right? So Shem was 100 years old. This is, this is after the flood. And then it says, and became the... Um, Became the father of our packs that two years after the flood. So within two years, he has a son. Now, and it even tells how long Shem lived. Shem lived 500 years after he became the father of Arpaxad, and he had other sons and daughters. Then it says Arpaxad lived 35 years and became the father of Shelah. So there's 35 years, he becomes the father of this son that's mentioned here. That's key there. Okay, now 35 years have advanced. Actually, it's probably 37 years, but for easy adding, we'll say 35, right? After the flood. You drop down to verse 14. Sheila lived 30 years and became the father of Eber. So now we have 35 years from our Paxad. Add 30 more years, and what does that give us? 65, right? You guys, and math, you, know, you guys are good, right? A plus? Okay. 
And then you, you skip on down into verse 16. Eber lived 34 years. And let's round it up to 35. What would that take us to? 99 or 100, right? <laughs> 99, okay. He became the father of Peleg. That's the key name there. I think Bob was talking about Peleg last week. And we saw that uh, his name was pretty significant found in chapter 10. Do you guys remember what uh, Peleg uh, meant? Divided. And, um, and when it's talking about there, the, the day, if you look in verse 25, two sons were born to Eber. The name of the one was Peleg, for in his days the earth was divided. And his brother's name was Jonathan. Now, we, we looked at this last week. I think we came to the conclusion that this probably, I think it's more than just probably, this is what chapter 11 is about whenever you have the different languages and the different um, nations that uh, is going to develop. Uh, and, so, and some people said it was where the land masses actually divided out. But looking at the context and what this would be, um, most of your expositors come to that conclusion. You can have different ideas, but if this be what that means, then that would be his name would be meaning something. It could be in prophecy that it's going to happen, or it could be the fact that he was named after that did happen. Uh, at any rate, it's within a 35-year radius, right? We're pretty close. So if you add those numbers up, we're close to right around 100 years or so between the flood and this other judgment. That's how quick things happened. And Noah is still alive. All of his sons are alive. They have um, sons. And Noah is a grandfather all within that time. And he's seeing... Um, his grandchildren, great-grandchildren in their sin because he brought sin out of the ark like all the other ones did because they're still human. And, and, and we see though wickedness is going to multiply. When you get sinners, and as they're multiplying and they get concentrated in one area and they get compacted together under one place, Wickedness can kind of mount or multiply. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's easy enough for Christians to have sin, and when they mount, they can, they can have that, right? We can battle with that. But when you have uh, unbelieving people, and there were many unbelieving people, even though they knew about the flood, they knew about Noah, many of them personally knew Noah, they knew the story. This is within a short amount of time. Everybody had to have known uh, what what the truth was uh, at that time, but um, all you have to do is remember the greatest amount of crime and wickedness in the world occurs where in the countryside, right? Out in the country where there's nobody around. A lot of crime out there with the. <laughs> Where's that at? The city, right? Yeah. Uh, more people, obviously. You're going to have sin no matter where you go. But the bigger the city, seems like the worse it is. may not always be, but uh, the potential of evil is definitely uh, there. Power corrupts and ultimate power, what? Corrupts ultimately. Knew where that was going, right? So, um, one nation, all speaking the same language, 
all under the power of the same influence. Uh, you don't have the checks and balances. And when you have a united force going and it's going one way, um, you're, you know, and with with sinful, wicked people, it's not going to come out too good. But if you have constraints, um, that was the thing where this one world, this one world government, if we may, and the oneness that is going to be there, look at the power and the potential to do great damage. Yes? Okay, I've got a really stupid uh, question. Bear with me. Couldn't be. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it's going to be. Um, so, at this point in time, like in, in all other areas of the world, there wasn't, there weren't people then. Or is this the only place that there were people? They're basically, um, you know, and it's hard to say everybody is all in one spot, but really that's that was the definitely they were all as one in one place. But they you'll notice in verse two, it looks like they're going about the right way. It came about as they journeyed east. Now they're <clears throat> they're heading east, and it probably is southeast. Also, they're still kind of as one and. It's good that they're starting to go somewhere. And where have they been at? Where did the ark land at? Ararat, right? Ararat. A-R-A-R-A-T. Mount Ararat. A lot of different ideas on where that could be. But um, a general consensus, it could be around where Turkey's at today, possibly. There's different ideas on it, but... Uh, whatever it is, they're coming from that area, it would make sense as they were heading southeast, which would be in this land of Shinar. We do know where that's at. And that would be in what is to be known as Babel or Babylon or uh, what, Iraq? Anyway, in that that, uh, general area. So they're heading there and you think, okay, they're getting ready to kind of start splitting off. God says... In Genesis 1, I think verse 28, to multiply and do what? Go all over the earth. And that's, that's his desire, that's his will. He wants people to populate, move out, uh, and get all over the earth. And um, they're not doing that. And so here they are. They leave this area. They're journeying. And what does it say at the end of verse 2? They go to the land of Shinar. What do they do? They settle there. They're settling down as one. <laughs> as one. Now, there might be some people kind of scattered somewhat, but matter of fact, Nimrod might gather them in because he needs all the manpower he can get. And he has all the, uh, uh, the power. Anyway, we know that he's uh, an evil leader who dominates. And... Uh, Anyway, as they settled down, God would say in chapter 9, here's what they're supposed to do. As in chapter 1, God blessed Noah and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, right? Nothing new. Be fruitful and multiply and what? Fill the earth. They're not doing that. Well, it seems to me like, why would they? This seems like the thing to do. Let's all stay together and 
we can function together, right? But that wasn't God's God's will. So we we see them uh, make their plan. They said to one another, "Now they're speaking together." Okay, the sinners speaking together. Watch out when they when they're planning together. Watch out. Come. Let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. They use brick for stone. They use tar for mortar. Come, let us build. Let us build. And the speaking of bricks, they're not talking tents here. They're not talking anything that is for the short term. We're talking settling down. We're talking permanent. Let's all do this. So this is by man as they speak. Come, let us. To man against God. It may seem like an innocent thing, but it's, it's not. Uh, you have the action of man here. And he's opposing God. And this sort of statement that they have here is showing rebellion. Come, let us, us, let us make brick and burn them. Let's burn them thoroughly. They're going to make these hard. This this is going to be a a brick where they're going to uh, uh, have as a permanent substance. They use brick for stone. They use tar for mortar. For some area, it makes you wonder if that tar has something to do with what we know as oil today. Fascinating, huh? Right in that same area. Um, Back in Genesis 10, I can tell you who is part of this program. In uh, chapter 10, verse 8, now Cush, this is from the sons of Ham. Ham has a son called Cush. And then when you get into verse 8, Cush became the father of Nimrod. He became a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. Keep saying that. It's a mighty man. Quite a warrior. Matter of fact, the word Nimrod means rebel, and to become a mighty one on the earth is the idea that he is a warrior. He's a mighty one. He not only was a hunter as far as animals were concerned. Many people say he was a great hunter in that, but he also had command over mankind. Uh, and he could have hunted men, could have killed men, or forced them to do what he wanted. Because he has that kind of power. And he is very strong physically. Uh, very wrong. Uh, very very wrong. <laughs> but he's also um, a, a leader. Powerful leader. The mighty one in the earth. So he plays an important role. Quite a role of importance uh, in developing nations. So, sheer power that he has, he puts on display... And he's really, I, as, as we see chapter 10 at the same time that's happening, and then of course Babylon, he's the one that established that. This is the one that is um, establishing this city. Um, and he gets uh, it definitely in on the leadership on all this. Um, he, he's doing this before the Lord. God's recognizing this. The audacity that he has to do before the Lord's eyes. For him to, God knows, he knows everything's happening. But yet at the same time, um, he's acting as, uh, as a Hitler would. If Hitler would have been allowed by the rest of the nations to continue to do what he would have done, he would have controlled the world. 
been able to do anything that he wanted. And he was doing it for quite some time. But that is one reason why God has nations, checks and balances. That's another reason why, God forbid, we don't like war, but war can be used as a good thing. He uses government in nations, but he also has to use war when, when, a, when a nation has caused an uprising and caused problems with another nation. Then there has to be some checks and balances, and eventually that happens. So in every generation, there are always wars. In our time, there have been plenty of wars, haven't there? A lot of wars. Rumors of wars, well, they actually happen all the constantly. So you can think of Stalin and some of the other... You can think of the mass murders. That's how far this man goes. Quite a valiant man, quite a strong man. But he's saying, um, hey, let's make a permanent settlement right here. I'm going to be the king. I'm the man. I'm the leader. And he has um, a desire, as they have a desire, as they say, come let us build for ourselves. This is a kind of a three-parter. What are they building? A city? A tower? And a name. And it doesn't have anything to do with God. God's not even mentioned here. And this is only like a hundred years removed from the flood. The great judgment. Come, let us build for ourselves. Ourselves. Not for the glory of God. Building for ourselves. Mm-hmm. This is sad, isn't it? That this is what man does. Man has the nature, the tendency to do things what uh, he wants for his own self. Let's build for ourselves a city. So as a vision, have a vision for a city. Uh, I think there were remarkable people at the time. They had remarkable skills, and they did. They uh, they built ziggurats. As archaeologists have covered by the hundreds and all sorts of different kinds that have been seen. So it could have been something along that lines that they had built. Uh, takes they uh, they have a big broad base. You've probably seen them. They're almost like kind of like pyramids, only maybe not quite uh, the same kind of structure, but something along that lines. You, uh, if you look at them in uh, dictionaries or uh, go on the internet and you'll see the neat little pictures. But um, it was probably something like that. So there's a social aspect as they build this city and as they're all living together, uh, not for the glory of God, but for the honor of themselves. Um, makes you think of later on, many years later, there's going to be another man that comes along by the name of Nebuchadnezzar, I do believe, in the book of Daniel. And it, it doesn't change. After many, many years, this is the heart of man. Power. People are after power. In Daniel 4, verse 30, at 28, um, all this happened to Nebuchadnezzar, the king, 12 months later. He was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. He built this place. The king reflected and said, Is this not Babylon the great which, look at this, I myself have built as a royal residence by the might of my power and for the glory of my majesty. 
that's about as far and deep as things can go whenever one has gotten to that sense where everything revolves around themselves. And of course, while the word was in the king's mouth, a voice came from heaven saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared sovereignty has been removed from you and you will be driven away from mankind and your dwelling place will be with the beast of the field. You'll be given grass to eat like cattle and seven periods of time will pass over you until you recognize that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whomever He wishes. I, I would have wondered if Nebuchadnezzar was thinking of himself as the great hunter, the mighty one, the Nimrod of his time. I have to think he had to know the history about that. Uh, quite a position he was in. He was the greatest man on earth. His, next to the gods, if he wasn't a god, uh, but anyway, God says, you're going to recognize the Most High. You know what? It was the grace of God that judgment came upon him. Because later you see the great praise that he has as he recognizes the Most High God. And it was no longer him. But as we see how pride wears its ugly head um, constantly through mankind, whether it lifts you up like in this situation or whatever uh, in our own selves, we see the downfall of Nebuchadnezzar. It happened quickly. And in seven years, he ate with the animals out in the fields. Incredible story. So, okay, we have concentrated sinners massing together. And if you get a whole bunch of people together and they all have infectious, deadly diseases and you cram them into one building and they infect each other, Now think about the wretchedness of the sin of mankind and how that does to everybody else. We're all infected even you know when we're first when we're born, as we're in the mother's womb, as David says. Now, when you see that kind of sinfulness and then people's actions and all together, we it's infectious. And so when you think of there was a story that was told when the uh, there were Jews in Poland. And Germany comes along and says, hey, listen, um, and, and this is not, whenever they were first killed there, they were not necessarily killed by the Nazis at first. It was the neighbors. There's a book called The Neighbors. They, they weren't Jewish people, but they lived right by them. They were Polish people. They weren't, they weren't Germans. They weren't Nazis. But you have the freedom to do that. We're telling you, you can, you can do that and everything is okay. Why would they do that? Well, they get all the land and everything that the, their neighbors who were Jewish had. You can have it all. It's all yours. It's okay. We're giving you the go-ahead. And so it happened. That's sad, isn't it? I mean, they weren't commanded by the Germans to do that. They just they did it. And um, so the rest of the story, we kind of know what happened during that time, but the infection... What's that? Um, (laughs) Yeah. So the truth gets out. Americans were sinful too. Or were they Americans? Europeans? Japhethites. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it goes. And that kind of tells. But um, we know that 
cities, and that's that's what they want to build. They want to build a city, and we know that cities tend to be hotbeds of corruption. If you want to turn on the late night news, uh, not not just Columbia, but hey, turn on St. Louis, or let's go a little bit, let's go to a bigger city, let's go to Miami. How about Chicago, New York City, uh, uh, Miami, right? L.A. It just mounts. And it seems like it just keeps getting worse. Well, man is man. And the more people you have, the more kind of corruption that you'll have. So, but, but this is what's happening here. Uh, let's, let's build this, this city. And so, um, there it is. And of course, God's going to later say, uh, I'm coming. <laughs> but uh, anyway, they have a desire also for uh, their name. We'll get to the tower in a moment. Uh, that's the religious aspect, but they have a, a desire for, to make a name for themselves. Let us make for ourselves a name, famous, that the glory would be given to us. Look, we're the, you know, they're just they're one people, still yet they're one people, and uh, they're going to be quite uh, quite amazing. But they didn't want to make a name for God. You don't see that at all, do you? Nothing in it. And that's why we exist. To make God famous. So this is their great ambition. They want to build this city, be together. That's direct disobedience to what God has said. They they have this pride where they want this name for themselves. And so God is going to have to step in, right? Yeah. But there's another thing that they really want. And this is where the religious aspect comes into play. Uh, it's the tower. They want a tower. Come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven. Um, one group. One people, right? One people. Now, I can understand a tower if you're afraid the enemies are going to come. But really, there aren't any enemies. There's just one people. <laughs> and how are they going to be attacked if they are as one? So what's the tower about? Well, usually towers are, are for that kind of thing. The enemy is coming. But that's not really the real reason they're building this. Uh, in the NAS, uh, who's, you, might, you might read, whose top, who's top into heaven... I've got italics in uh, in mind there, but it helps us uh, declare what this is saying. Whose top will reach into heaven? So you have the italic words in there. Some of you might have that in your versions. Um, I don't think there's any other way to um, understand this other than saying there's a connection to the gods. There are already gods that they have, I, I think it's indicating, or possibly, that they have started to worship. Uh, when you think of the sun, people worship the sun. People worship the moon. People worship the stars. Where did that all start? Where did it all come from? Right here. Right here at this time. Uh, they want a connection. And you know they, they have the truth about the true God, but they seem to have a, um, a reason for a need of something else. And uh, so, pretty pleasing to them. Uh, these ancient cities today from Mesopotamia and that area that we know as that, 
uh, ziggurats have been discovered quite a bit, as I said. And the story goes is that it's like a ladder. It goes up so far. It wasn't, it wasn't that it extended up to 500 or 1,000 or 10,000 feet or up miles up in the atmosphere, right? But it was so that the gods could descend and ascend on this ladder. There are steps that go all the way up to it. And that's how they would make their connection with mankind. Mankind would make the connection there. And that's their go-between. And the temple then would also be there too. Um, they'd be rectangular, uh, square at the, at the base, and then there was a temple. So you'd go up to worship, and you ascend and descend, uh, or check out the, the gods there, uh, however that, that may be. But Nimrod had rejected God. Uh, and he realizes people need a religion because there was the teaching of the true God. That hasn't left at all. What they do is take the truth that is about the one true God and they start expanding it into something more comfortable with the way that they would want. And now you have a worship that starts with a true God and ends up with a worship of false gods. Probably started out... Maybe there were a lot of people saying, oh, this is how I can get closer to Yahweh. And so you mingle the truth with error, and of course, what do you have? You turn into idolatry. They weren't—they weren't really trying to walk to heaven. They weren't. These people were pretty sharp, you know. I don't think they really thought they could make it all the way up there. But I will say that uh, your false religions can be traced back, not only to Egypt, which that is easily traced, but keep going further back. And, and we see it here. Look all the way back to Revelation 17, uh, verse 5. Speaking of the, this city, really. You remember, uh, Eldon was relating last week to us, too. It was um, so vital to know. There's really, in, in Scripture, it's almost like there's, there's two cities. You have the holy city. And then you have man city. And Babylon represents who? Man city. That's really representing evil man. Uh, Augustine, of course, wrote about that. Um, But in in 17.5, on the forehead, a name was written, a mystery. You have to like this. Do you have capital letters here? And in dark, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. And so there's the great mystery, Babylon. When you think of Babylon, you have to think, of course, you think of Nebuchadnezzar, but you keep going back and you see the history. You see how the religions stem from there. Uh, an illustration, you can trace the Roman Catholic faith and some of the things that they have in their belief system came right out of pagan uh, beliefs that would have even gone back to, back to this time. Uh, you have the mother cult. Babylonian mystery. I'm not saying that this is a Roman Catholic Church in chapter 17. I, I think it extends out to all the uh, uh, the false religions. Definitely could include that. But um, the mother cult of Babylonian mystery is not out of the New Testament. But uh, in Ezekiel, for instance, it talks about um, the Queen of Heaven. You remember the Queen of Heaven being mentioned there? And of course, the Roman Catholic faith um, teaches about the Queen of Heaven. The Queen of Heaven, which is Mary. Exactly. 
And a lot of times you'll see statues of Mary, Mary holding a baby. Now that's okay, that's representing Jesus. But it's interesting, you can go back into the pagan idolatries and you'll find out there are all sorts of pictures and statues and different um, illustrations such as that and may not be called Mary, but might be called Ashtaroth, might be called uh, Semiramis, might be called Isis, and those trace back to the Babylonian cults. Those are just different countries with different languages that named the same person what their name was as, as you trace through um, some of the, uh, the ideas of how that came from the, the cultism. Um, this possibly could have been the start of uh, astrology, the zodiac, if you go back to, uh, to Babel. Uh, Boyce said this, um, he wrote a book dealing with uh, the Chaldeans and astrology. And he said that the inhabitants of Babylon uh, first developed the zodiac by dividing the sky into sections and giving meanings to each on the basis of the stars that are found there. A person's destiny is said to be determined by whatever section or sign he is born under. So, you know, everybody turns to the paper, you know, and they look at the zodiac and see what their, uh, what their good fortune is for the day or whatever. So you, you go ahead. Anyway, uh, you're aware, you know, Taurus, Gemini, and all those. Boyce went on. From Babylon, astrology passed on to the empire of ancient Egypt, where it mingled with native animism and polytheism of the Nile. The pyramids were constructed with certain mathematical relationships to the stars. The Sphinx has astrological significance. It has a head of a woman, symbolizing Virgo, the Virgin, and the body of a lion, symbolizing Leo. Virgo is the first sign of the zodiac. Leo is the last. So the Sphinx, which incidentally, he says, means joining in Greek, is the meeting point, what? Of the first and last of the zodiac. So that's putting the Egyptian priest right in the middle of this, and they're the starting point in relation to the, the zodiac that lay in Egypt. So they took great credit for that on the banks of the Nile. Uh, some of the Egyptian religions are probably familiar with. But anyway, uh, back to the original Babel is where we can trace a lot of this. Many uh, people have written that uh, there, there was a book called The Two Babylons. Of course, it, it kind of chases through the Roman Catholic and some of the things that they had borrowed from pagan idolatry. Uh, and it goes on and on, whether it be the rosary beads, um, the Hail Marys, a lot of those derived right from, from these things. Um, these are God rejectors right here. And this is how important this is to get down because we see as they, they will scatter, they will take everything that they believe with them. And so they'll go all over the world. They have a lot of talents and abilities and skills. They're going to take all those things with them. And they're also going to take their sin with them <laughs> as they spread all over the earth, which is what God wanted them to do. And He will make sure that they, they do it. So there's, there's a three-parter uh, to that. By the way, dealing with... Um, the idolatry aspect in the law as God tells the Israelites many years later as they're getting ready to go in to the promised land 
He warns them. He warns them about the idolatry and the paganism of the Canaanites, the ones who had been cursed by Noah. And he tells them even about witchcraft and sorcery. Uh, Leviticus 19.31 one I might think of Deuteronomy 18. There was a good reason why he said this. Do not turn to mediums or spiritists. Do not seek them out to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord. I am the one that you seek out. I am Yahweh. I am God. And what they have is not true. So don't turn to them. You're going to have them all around. Watch out. Pretty good stern warning. Funny thing is, it's not very funny, but the first king of Israel turned to a spiritist. You remember Saul? King Saul. That was a sad end of of his story. But uh, God tells them this. Go to Romans 1. And this applies to all of mankind all down through the centuries. I can definitely see how this fits right in with this Babylonian incident. They all know the truth. They all know the truth about God, right? hundred years removed from the flood. They have some of the greatest teachers about that. Noah, Shem, Ham, Japheth. Uh, Noah's daughter-in-laws. Noah's wife. <laughs> They've been telling this story over and over and over. And then we look at Romans 1.18. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And that's the key. They suppress the truth. That means they know the truth, but they push it back. They suppress it. They uh, act like it doesn't exist. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds, we keep getting lower, four-footed animals all the way down to crawling creatures. Therefore, God gave them over in the lust of their hearts. He has turned it over to them. To impurity. So that their bodies would be dishonored among them for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions for their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way also, the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another, men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. 
And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, they are gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful, and although they know the ordinance of God that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. probably read that many times. That's the wrath of God being seen. And it not only applies to our time, we we know, you know it's obvious that there you know people know the Creator God, but we see what they turn to, and of course if you don't want to take it back all through the different uh, centuries, the millenniums, take it back to Babel, and you can see there it is all over again. Of course, this can apply before the flood. This is this is where man is. Uh, but I think it's interesting. It really makes sense. You know, there they knew God. Uh, they suppressed the truth. Um, everything they knew about God, they had seen His invisible attributes. They knew about Him, but they didn't honor Him as God. Didn't give Him thanks. Everything was about them. Uh, and so they, they, we see what happens. Uh, they, it, it starts with the worship of not only self, but then you have other gods. And they make all sorts of different gods. And it starts up a little bit higher <laughs> if you want to take the uh, kind of an illustration whether it be birds all the way down to the creeping things and then it shows how it affects their own bodies what they do with that and their, their thinking their actions everything and uh, they heartily approve of it heartily approve of it so do they know about the flood? yeah do they know about God? yeah and they have a tower reaching to the heavens or dedicated to the heavens. Yeah, Bob. Ah. And if you see people in social situations, that's kind of what they remind you. When you get a bunch of people together, bunch of animals. Yeah. When you talk about the big city, there's a there's a show. There is a mind game, crazy or what? Mind games, and and you know when I watch it, I think you know Satan is so flagrant anymore. He throws this out at you, and and people don't even get it. They don't even they see these things, and they don't. They it's amazing to me. This show talks about the sociology, the the social science of of how people act as people, and they're they're and and all the time you're you're going on here. I'm thinking. You know, those people had no leadership. I mean, you talk about Nimrod. He was all about Nimrod. And that was their mighty man, their great leader. 
They had no God that they could see. They had no words that they could follow. They had no Holy Spirit that lived in them. Wow! How hard would that be? I mean, yeah, okay, so they knew what it was. Let me take you up here and show you the ark. No. <laughs> You know, they're they're taking they're taking bits of truth and they're mixing this with error and you can imagine in a short amount of time how things got totally blown out of proportion of what you know, we worship in what? In spirit and in truth. How else can we worship God without the Word of God? This is how we know or, or, or learn how to worship Him. Um, but the word definitely uh, you know, they're not they're without excuse. As Romans one says there, because they did, they did know. Uh, just an amazing thing what can happen to man. It's, uh, but what does God say? Well, Yahweh came down, uh, and you have an anthropomorphism here. I think uh, this is the best way to say this. But to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built is like, oh, what are they doing down there? I got to check this out. Yeah. He knows what's going on, right? But this gets us into kind of the way that it's happening. Oh, uh, let us go down. Matter of fact, you have to love the, what God does here uh, as He intervenes. And He's mocking man. Um, the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. Not for His glory at all. The Lord said... This is Yahweh speaking. This is the triune God. Behold, they are one people. And does this ever say it all? And they all have the same language. And this is what they began to do. And now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. And they have quite a lot of power, don't they? Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so they will not understand one another's speech. Come, let us go down. You have the triune God involved here. The Holy uh, Trinity. And I, I think there's a little bit of sarcasm possibly in this as man reads this. Uh, he uses their very words mimicking man what he's just said. Let us go down. <laughs> let us. Yeah. Um, let's go down and confuse their language. <laughs> let's mess this up. We're going to tear everything down, what they have here, in a sense. Uh, 
Yeah. And God is, even though you know He is one God, yet there are three persons, right? The Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, and yes, even in the Old Testament you see the Trinity. And we've seen this before in Genesis also. We've seen it in Genesis 1. But this is a great section to show that where God is showing that He is plurality. He is Elohim. Uh, he is Yahweh. But He is uh, more than just one person. And uh, they're so proud of the great unity that they have with all their people. So He says, let us. So He uses it in, in their context. And at the same time, He's Trinity. And He will confuse their language and He will divide them up. Can you imagine all of a sudden, as you're speaking, your language just changes automatically. You're saying words you have never said before. You're understanding what you're saying because it's coming from your mind, but somebody else is uh, working right beside you and you're doing these bricks. And all of a sudden you're saying, and you're speaking in a tongue to a guy He's thinking you're kidding. And and then the next thing you know, the guy is starting to get a little angry at you because you know he doesn't understand you. You know what, what's going on? It had to cause a panic. Can you imagine in this big city, all the people that don't have the same language as you, unless you're from a family, you're going to understand their language, but you're not going to be able to understand any other family's language immediately. So he says we're going to confuse their language. Well, he did, and. You're going to find people that understand you. Well, great. I'm going to stick with these people. And nobody else is understanding it, so you have to get away from them. You pull away. I don't understand. A lot of times on Facebook, I get a lot of requests for people with different languages, and I don't mind getting it because a lot of times they will do English and translate it. But a lot of times it's in, you know, like it can be Chinese and, you know, Sanskrit. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, all sorts of different kind of languages, and I'm going, wow, I, I can't understand this. I could probably take the time to take it into English, but um, at any rate, I usually don't take the time to do that. But I think you have to have fear, you have to have panic as people are realizing that we've got a problem here. <laughs> we have major problems. And there's unintelligible sp- Beaches going all over the city, all over the place. This has to be driving people crazy hearing this kind of stuff that's going on. This is ridiculous. It doesn't make sense. So you get with people that have a common language and you you start getting out of there. And God has done a couple of miracles. Just splitting. You know, they on their own were not going to do that. God intervenes. And He makes happen what He desired to happen. His will will do that. Yeah, I think the family's uh, stuck together. Fragments of the city. Splintered. So, but out of this, you're going to have language groups, and out of this, you're going to have nations developing. And as Acts 17, I think verse 26 talks about that. God sets the boundaries. So the people go where God wants them to go, and they all have the things in common that they have, but they take their idolatry with them, they take false religions with them, they take the human pride, all the sin you can think of, and all the, uh, the ambition, the wretchedness of their souls, and, but then they take all their skills and the human ingenuity, and so they were able to build things, they were able to go out and 
start their um, their gardens, and as they they grew food, they were industrious. They became more powerful. Nations became greater as they multiplied, and they became greater than other nations. So they would overtake them. There would be little tribes over here, and they'd just come along and go ahead and take them uh, in isolated places. Didn't take millions of years. I think if we read the sociology book uh, or any of the secular uh, stories. This took millions of years for these languages to develop. We have it right here. It happened like that. Yeah, there's nothing to debate about, is there? Just simple. God did it. Um, Anyway, it's interesting. As they intermarry within their own family deeply embedded as far as their gene pool is concerned, they're going to continue to manifest the very characteristics that they have. So now it's like multiplying that, whatever characteristics that they all kind of had in a very close-knit family, they they intermarry and they're able to uh, then through, through God's power, you know, and in His will... That's why you get so many different, uh, and I hate to say races because there's really only one race. It's the human race. But this is this is where uh, things probably started to happen over a period of time as they they intermarried, and so you have different characteristics in different people groups as they have different languages, and uh, so they they developed that. That's how God got them to develop the nations and and uh, the languages. And so we see that uh, God did, did his confusion. He, uh, its name was called Babel because the Lord confused the language of the whole earth and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the whole earth. He did it. <laughs> he did it. And uh, Babylon, there we go. It's still around. matter of fact, if you want to look at it symbolically, it's, it's everywhere. Um, but uh, it's kind of interesting to see how God works in all of these situations. You see the true one world order and we need to close this. You want to look at it you can look at Isaiah chapter two. That's the true city. You get the true name and you get the true religion right there. Thank you guys for coming out on a very hot night and be blessed tomorrow as uh, we are blessed with some more sunshine and uh, enjoy that. <laughs> Stay cool. It's cool in here, isn't it? Doesn't it feel nice in here? Good. Are you hot? I'm glad God created air conditioning. Oh. (laughs) Give him the credit for that. (laughs) What's that? Uh, Yes, we sure did. Um, It looks like a go. Uh, Somebody's been praying. And so he's going to call us Friday on more more details on it. Um, I'll give you more information. Friday or Sunday? Maybe maybe Sunday. Looks looks good. It looks really good. They're going to take that main wall down all the way back to what we were doing. There, there's another wall we'd love to have taken down, but there, uh, he really wanted to keep that. The guy stepped back and I said, We negotiated very hard for a long time. Yeah, there's a lot of negotiation, but um, it, it, I think it looks good.
So anyway. So that's what you're doing. 